1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm
1: Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from, head to a thing or two HQ.com to sign up for our newsletter and to sign up for our secret menu our jazzy new hub for members-only
0: content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. As a reminder, we are offering free ad reads to Black-owned businesses. So hit us up at podcast at a thing or two HQ.com if you'd like to take advantage. All right. All right. This, <laughs> we're getting into something meaty here.
1: Meaty McMeterson, this episode. Yeah. Here we go. We're talking about ambition. Um. And this episode topic is sparked by a really wonderful essay that Maris Kreitzman wrote about basically losing her ambition, like losing her religion, I guess. Yeah, yeah but, it did. It sounded <laughs> REM. That, is that how it ranked? Yeah, is that it, how it sounded to you? a little
0: bit REM to me. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair,
1: fair, fair. We love Maris in general and have been following her work since her Slaughterhouse 90210 days. And she just had so many things to say that rang incredibly true, I think, for both of us. So I want to read a couple snippets of it before we get into like, our thoughts and feelings, if that's okay. So she says... In the present moment, in a time when the pandemic has caused so much uncertainty about the future of so many industries, professional ambition begins to feel like misplaced energy as helpful to achieving success as chronic anxiety. Where does ambition go when jobs disappear and the things you've been striving for barely even exist anymore? And what if the things for which you've been striving no longer feel important because they're the spoils of a rotten system that needs a complete overhaul? I've pivoted so many times that it feels like I've been walking in circles. I've been watching my industry contract and erode for years, but the pandemic has killed the possibility of the maybes, the shots in the dark at finding a position in which I can do good work. My personal ambition still roils in my belly, but the path forward is less clear than ever.
0: And this is a conversation that you and I have been having for a while, honestly. Um, Yeah. And has definitely been, you know, reshaped by the present moment and, you know, not just the pandemic, but the race reckoning that is happening right now, I think so many different forces are sort of shifting how most people feel about what they do for a living.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the emergence of another recession that is, will probably be significantly worse than the last, Mm -hmm. um, which we also worked through. I think the way that the economy um, and different industries have shifted over the last decade. And, you know, industries that we are in or adjacent to have changed from media to startups to just about everything. And I think, you know, obviously, Maris is operated in a publishing world um, in her career, but I've talked to friends about this article who are in completely different fields that feel like it lands so much for them. And I think it just is a real sign of the times these feelings much more than, you know, an industry-specific thing.
0: One of the things that you, like a phrase that you and I have been using for a while is like this ambition towards what? I think I have always taken for granted since I was, it's honestly since I can remember that I have a ton of ambition. Like I saw my mom as this really like hardworking professional career woman. I thought that was something really to be admired and I knew that I wanted to emulate that. So Every opportunity presented, you know, I went after it, whether it was like student council president or like some, you know, summer camp program, whatever it was. And I've continued in that way my entire adult life.
1: Well, and there are these obvious ways, I think, when you're those ages to, or not even obvious ways, there are obvious outlets for ambition. If you have it, Um, ambition to get good grades or ambition to like make the school play or ambition to start on the soccer team or whatever it's going to be. And even then, in looking back on it, I feel a little bit of like, why? Which is like depressing. Um, like, why did I care about getting straight A's? Um, like, what was the point of that?
0: Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I think I can look back and I can say that certain things I did, I really enjoyed acting. I really loved theater. So things like getting into the school play, I... I that it was, was an about,
1: experience It too, was belonging. Yeah. yeah. It was
0: about belonging to a community. It was about like... Doing a process that I really loved. And I think in some ways that can be said for a lot of my professional ambitions of the last decade. Like I do think starting of a kind had a lot of like knowing the people I would meet and the things I would get to do um, and the processes I would get to go through felt really appealing. I thought it would be fun. I thought that um, I would form new relationships that I was really excited about. And
1: we thought, I think we both were looking for experiences and interaction and exposure and relationships um, yeah. that that did bring for
0: sure. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that I think, you know, if I think back on something like, you know, why did I want to be class president? There was a similar thread running through why I wanted to start of a kind, which was like, I wanted to be in charge of something. I wanted to have an idea and get to execute it and lead it, right? Like realize my own vision. And, um, and yeah, I think that's something that persists for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 When looking back and thinking about, okay, what did ambition, what did ambition mean to Mm me? Um, when I felt like this was a driving force in my life in this like very like pure hearted way. Right. Yeah. Uh, It was working toward that ability to like build your own thing or execute your own vision. And we talked a lot about just like having ownership, which I think, especially when we were in our early, you know, twenties, when we were working for other people or felt like we were, you know, cogs and machines, that felt like a very powerful thing to be like, I could make the decision. I could, you know, drive this thing for sure.
0: Okay, this is a good one. The Michelle Obama Podcast is out now on Spotify. The series brings listeners inside the former First Lady's most candid and personal conversations, showing us what's possible when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to open up, and to focus on what matters most. My hope is that this series can be a place to explore meaningful topics together and sort through so many of the questions we're all trying to answer in our own lives, Michelle Obama said. Perhaps most of all, I hope this podcast will help listeners open up new conversations and hard conversations with the people who matter most to them. That's how we can build more understanding and empathy for one another. Episode subjects focus on the relationships that shape us, from siblings and close friends to partners, parents, and mentors, to our relationship with ourselves and our health. Joining the former First Lady will be an array of special guests, including President Barack Obama, Marion and Craig Robinson, Conan O'Brien, Valerie Jarrett, Michelle Norris, and Dr. Sharon Malone. Listen free at spotify.com slash michelleobama. That's spotify.com slash michelleobama. I think also, and you know, this is, I think, much easier to come by when you're younger is this idea of like being able to change something and create impact. And I know that with Of A kind, we really felt that way when it came to, you know, creating an impact on the emerging designer community and shifting the way that people in our peer group thought about consumption um, and the way that they considered purchases. And yeah, I think that, of course, continues to be an instinct that... I think it's safe to say we both have.
1: But does it feel like where the world is now, or just like I guess, do you feel jaded? Um, Absolutely. And feel like that, like what is like what is change, and how could that even be achieved with everything that's in place?
0: Absolutely. And I think part of what has shifted is, and I think this is like a, a classic part of getting old is the sense that I individually could have a big impact, that I could create change. And I think it's also an important mindset shift because I do think if this moment is asking anything of us, it's to engage in collective change. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that that it's... And so in some ways, like, it's good to not have that naivete, but it's certainly you know there's something of course really um exciting and motivating about this idea of like i could do this thing right i could lead the change which is not to say one person couldn't but um yeah i feel that that fire has been put out a little bit and i think even more so to get back to this idea of like ambition toward what i'm having trouble placing any of the ambition that i have it it feels very amorphous And I think the place where my sort of like, aha, my I love Josh moment about all of this came when I was thinking about getting pregnant. And as we've discussed at length, I really wrestled with whether or not I wanted to have kids and whether or not it was the right decision for me. And a major factor in this was this idea that I would not be able to... Pursue all of my ambition if I had a kid, that I wouldn't be able to pursue my career at the same pace and with the same gusto if I was a parent. And at some point, I stopped and I was like, What is this career? What is this ambition that I'm trying to pursue? Like, what am I trying to accomplish? And I just I couldn't answer that. I just had this like vague sense of achievement as like a thing, but I didn't yeah. know what it was that I wanted to achieve. It was just achieve. a real blank canvas. And that felt really depressing in a way. It was like, I, you know, we were running of a kind at the time, and I still felt really passionately about it. But I didn't have a really clear big vision. I, you know, it wasn't like we wanted to build this thing into, you know, a billion dollar company. Um,
1: no, we never saw I, that. Yeah, as the the future or outcome of that of the business. Um, and we had achieved, I think, the core things that we thought that the business should achieve
0: at that. Yeah, point. yeah. And yeah. I do. I think realizing that that like. There wasn't a really clear direction that I had was a sort of pivotal moment for me in realizing that like it would be okay to have a kid because if I couldn't clearly see what what obstacles this kid was going to present in terms of this ambition that I held so closely, that that wasn't a good reason not to have a kid. And that it was this realization that like I'd held ambition so close my entire life, but I had never stopped to examine what it meant in terms of my happiness or what it actually looked like. Um, It was just like this amorphous thing.
1: Yeah. I too have for the last couple of years, maybe just struggled with what are my dreams at this point? What do I want? And I, and I think part of it has been around, you know, shifting industries and shifting job opportunities and outcomes and feeling like the things that I might have wanted had I, come into my professional like own 15 years ago, don't exist anymore. Um, And God, I was telling you at some point that reading memoirs of magazine editors who had been editors in the nineties or early aughts, like nothing makes me rage more of just like this opportunity and this thing that they got to do and this thing they got to build. And you know, the, the like working with creative people in this space that just doesn't, it just doesn't exist in that Capacity anymore. And I do feel a certain amount of FOMO that I missed out on that moment. Um, Well, because. Which, like, what could I do about it? Nothing, like, absolutely nothing.
0: But to be clear and to like lend some context to that, you did at some point more than I think a lot of people have a very clear sense of what your ambition was leading towards. You in college decided, I want to be the editor in chief of a glossy magazine. And so you were strategically moving towards that it was like I think a more clear ambition than I ever had at any point in my career and yeah at some point you realize like okay that's not right or that's not, well, the, it, bridge, that's well, not the bridge yeah. was like crumbling basically yeah, yeah. I
1: like looked forward and was like oh there's no way to make it across this this <laughs> like river you may have made the good point uh before that I think some of the most interesting like early seeds of this have come around the conversations that um happened when Rookie Mag and Designs Fund shut down.
0: Yeah. Um, so Tavi Gevinson shut down Rookie Magazine and wrote a really honest and well-written letter about why she did it. And she spoke to a lot of the things that were starting to get out around the challenges of funding and the challenges of building the type of business you want to see in a space like this. But I think she also... Just came right out and said, like, this thing doesn't have to last forever, and it doesn't make it a failure. And I'm making the decision to shut it down because it's no longer being what I want it to be in my life. And so, like, this this happened. It was wonderful and beautiful, and I'm going to put an end to it before it either like becomes something I don't want it to become, or just like gets driven into the ground. And Grace Bonnie has said that she took a lot of inspiration from that when she shut down Design Sponge, which was around for an incredibly long time. I can't remember the number like I but it's almost
1: 15 years. I think yeah. so.
0: And it was one of the first blogs and Grace had um a number of factors at play but she also at some point before many years before actually shutting down Design Sponge had this sort of pivot where she was like it's not about design anymore like it can't just be about design without addressing all of the the people. The people and all of the race and and social and economic issues at play in, in this world. Um, and then I think at some point just ultimately felt like she had taken it as far as she could in its current form. And I think both of them shut down these publications without a clear sense of what they wanted to do next and like what was next for them. And that was nice to see and inspiring for these really creative women to say, this thing has run its course. I don't know what's ahead, but I'm going to stop this thing now. I'm going to stop this project.
1: I think there's been just so much pressure for people in any you know thing to just do more, 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 get bigger, 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 like climb a corporate ladder as high as you possibly can, grow your business as big as you can get it. Um, take, Of course you take the promotion. Who wouldn't mm-hmm. take the promotion? Um, and I think there has been a lot less emphasis on figuring out, what you actually want and what makes you happy and what kind of job business career you want to pursue. Well, even so, the pressure, which is interesting is
0: I mean, even the pressure on businesses to keep getting bigger and bigger is so unnatural. Like that's not yeah. how it's supposed to work. It's okay for it to just stay the same size or, you know, get smaller sometimes. And I think it's really easy to lose sight of that. Today's episode is brought to you by Noble Cup. So I feel like over the past year to two years, I every couple of months, some friend shows up in my DMs or my text messages raving about a menstrual cup and telling me how incredible it is. And at first, I was very skeptical. I was like, no, thanks. I'll stick to tampons. But I'm officially sold. Everybody is just like, they're into it. And so I'm, I'm going to go for it. And I am so excited to try Noble Cup. Noble Cup is an eco-friendly, cost-effective, flexible, bell-shaped, medical-grade silicone menstrual cup, and it is Ethiopia's first menstrual cup. Noble Cup answers the needs of African women by combating the emotional, financial, and achievement toll associated with menstruation and making life while bleeding easier, safer, and more productive. Women and girls cannot prosper, contribute, and succeed if they are sidelined one week out of every month. To be competitive, they need their full share of school, work, and life 30 days a month, 12 months a year. Today, the odds are stacked against them. Due to lack of
1: disposable income and shame, many women in Africa rely on homemade methods such as cloth rags or newspapers to manage their menstruation. It's unhygienic and harmful, and Noble Cup is an easy, safe, eco-friendly way to manage, which empowers women to have confidence while menstruating. This not only benefits the women, but society as a whole. Noble Cups' Every Queen Bleeds Advocacy Workshops run in Ethiopian schools, universities, and prisons to break down menstrual stigma and showcase the Noble Cup option. With every Noble Cup you purchase, you're also providing a Noble Cup and menstruation education for a woman in need. So grab yours today and empower other women in the process at noblecup.org. That's N-O-B-L-E-C-U-P dot org to get your Noble Cup and donate one to a woman in need.
0: From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for working women that support each other's successes. In each episode, we bring in leading female powerhouses for career real talk and BS-free advice. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast.
1: Can we come back to some of the points that Maris was making about this particular moment in general and the pandemic Mm -hmm. um, and just the cultural shifts that are happening and how that is shaping perspectives on like, what is ambition in 2021 going to be like? How how am I going to approach that?
0: Totally. I mean, let's just start with the simplest thing which is that there are no more offices yes yes or at least for now Um, it
1: just feels so hard to get excited and feel like passionate about work when it all takes place on zoom and ultimately everyone's work looks almost exactly the same because it's all just a bunch of zoom meetings and typing at a laptop and i don't know (laughs) like even just like decontextualizing it from an office space which i know an office space is bullshit in general like of course it's just you know what a corporation or a small business or whatever has put up to make you feel like you're part of
0: something but that does have an effect that sitting at your kitchen table does not oh absolutely and i mean something that you and i also were talking about lately is you and i have such history and so have logged so many hours together that honestly i don't feel like there's a huge difference having a meeting with you on zoom versus doing no. it in person i think that we can like get the creative juices flowing we can get the like dynamic and the chemistry but we can read what the like silences are. Exactly. Um, yeah. But it is hard doing it with people who you don't have that with over Zoom. And I'm like really <laughs> feeling the the stress of that and the exhaustion of that. And I know other people are
1: more deeply sort of rooted or more, I don't know, sociologically, the toxicity of most of so many workplaces is being revealed daily. Yeah. Um, and just the complete and utter. Dysfunction, the inequality, the uh, racist the, mm-hmm. undertones or or overtones, yep. um, of so many work environments. Just
0: uh, well, so I think that that is obviously a very good thing, and it needs to happen. Oh, I mean, and of, course, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And I will like probably say this again at some point throughout this, but like I think cancel culture is problematic, and I think like you know, we need to figure out different ways to address this and then to just, quote unquote, cancel people completely. Um, On the other hand, I fully support, you know, the people coming out and talking about these and sharing these stories. However, you can't help but walk away from them without feeling like, a story like this could be told at almost every single workplace. There's a larger conversation to be had around, like, it's not the workplaces, it's the people, it's the society, it's capitalism. Of course, it's, of course. You know, the other piece of this or sort of, uh, like, subchapter of all of yeah. this is, um, is the this whole collapse of the girl boss, which is something that we were, I don't know, like, adjacent to in some way. We never, like, you know, had so much press heaped upon us as you know a lot of the women who are now being taken down but we were you know we we were two women who started their business together who did we're certainly on the
1: sidelines of we it we were
0: on the sidelines we definitely got a lot of press just because we were women in business and business publications felt like they needed to highlight women more often and so watching all of this happen there is a certain a certain feeling like it's not something to aspire to right in part because If anybody is hyped as much as 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 many of these individuals are and were, there's nowhere to go but down because there's so much praise heaped upon them. Um, But there's there's no way
1: a person can like live up to the 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 press or the like glowing the glowing profiles um, and all of that. Yeah,
0: I also think, and I. I'm just going to say this, although I'm not going to say it right. I think that there, it takes a certain type of person to be successful in this realm and to like achieve the status that a lot of these people have achieved. And I don't think I am that person.
1: No. Yeah. I think you and I have both learned over the last five years that when, you know, we talked about, oh, we never really had aspirations for of a kind to be a billion dollar business. I think we also realized we are not, we don't have the mindsets to build a billion dollar business. Yeah. Um, And I'm cool with that. I feel better about myself personally knowing that I couldn't do that. Yeah. Which makes me question like ambition and drive and, you know, what do you like, what do you want and how much can you achieve and, you know, all of that.
0: Yeah, completely. And I mean, listen, like, we are two people who spent the last 10 years of our lives building a company. And then, and now we have decided that like building a really big company is not what we want to do. So where do you go from there? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's challenging.
1: One of the things I think it's been interesting as a potential upside silver lining, you know, however you want to frame it, is when the jobs keep changing and the industries keep shifting, it feels at least a little easier to not feel defined by a job and for that to not be someone's identity. So can, you know, can we stop looking for meaning in work um, or can we stop looking for so much meaning in work and can we define ourselves other ways? Which I think opens up, the idea of career trajectories that look really different. Um, And I think already, you know, our generation's career trajectories are going to look so different from our parents where you and I both have parents that worked at the same companies basically their entire careers, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is like lulzy at this point. I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago who has been at the same job for his entire, you know, since college. And he was like, I think I'm going to stay there. And it was like all, you know, we, it was like this whole, like, wait, what the idea of a person doing this, like what an outlier this, this friend is. But I think also the idea of being a multi-hyphenate and not being like a model actress, singer, Mm -hmm. multi-hyphenate feels more real than ever, where it's like, you could do this for some part of your job and this for some part of your job. And then maybe in a couple of years you do something totally different as your full job. Um, and it just kind of evolves and it's not even just generalism. It's like piecing together this quilt of experiences or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do think it's interesting because the United States and like New York especially is really known for just defining people by work. And it's the first question we ask people, right? Like, what do you do? Um, but you're right if we're changing that constantly can we find a new way to define ourselves and to de- and to understand other people i hope so yeah it's a nice thought i mean the other thing that i th- that has just totally broken up all of this is the way that we are all like going really deep now on this moment of reckoning really around race and that to get back to this idea of like it's hard to feel a lot of personal ambition because it feels like all of our energies right now should be focused on the collective like they should be focused outwards and and we need to be thinking about that i also think it's just made us reexamine priorities in general and and that's you know goes for the conversations around race but it also goes for the pandemic and you know the financial insecurity that so many of us feel and this idea that like, what actually is important? Is the money important? Is the happiness important? I think I have certainly reexamined my relationship with money and the role that it plays in my love, my levels of happiness and anxiety and all of that. Um,
1: well, and what should be done with money and how it should be exactly, put to use. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think, and and yeah, I think thinking so much more around how capitalism plays into the racist Systems in this country, and even like these, you know, this idea of like the Protestant ethic and the capitalist spirit. Like thinking about all of this, I'm like, this is all like at the basis of racism. And so, like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah how yeah, yeah, am
0: yeah. I actually interacting with all of this? And and even really just like our traditional notions of what professional success like are racist, like at their yes. core. And so. Well, we've really only on this
1: so far been talking about really white collar office jobs, yes. which, you know, is discounting essential workers who are discounted in this entire process, you know, and yeah. have been praised during or held up during this pandemic, but then get no support, get no privileges, um, and get, you know, paid and treated like shit. Um, yeah across, you know, the industries they're in, of course, but then also just in a, you know, society and benefits way.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just hard to feel like what to to construct an ideal of what I want to pursue and like how I want to be rewarded for that and like what will feel rewarding for that while breaking down a lot of other things that I always sort of like accepted as not being problematic.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think in thinking about ambition and, you know, where it comes from and how I feel about it, it just feels like so much ego. Um, mm-hmm. And it starts to feel really selfish.
0: That's that's exactly right. And I think that's what's so hard about right now when it just, there is this pressure on all of us to be helping everybody, right? To, and to be contributing to change. Like so many people are suffering. People are dying right now. And it, there feels like there's this constant call to be turning outward. And so what does it mean to be thinking so intensely about what does my future look like? How am I going to achieve happiness and success and financial security?
1: Yeah. 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 And yeah.
0: yet there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's critical.
1: Right. right? Well, I mean, you have to take, well, you yeah. also like have to, you have to put some emphasis on yourself at some point because that's essential to personal growth, happiness, uh,
0: and your ability to help others. Like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with it. It just feels like, you know, to Maris's point, like this all just happened at this time where we were, I think a lot of us already questioning it and then it just got blown open. And now it's like, then what?
1: Yeah. Another component of this that, we're not in the position to really gauge is just how much of this feeling about ambition comes from us being in our Mm -hmm. mid-30s. How much of it is just like a natural, okay, you've hit this moment in your life and your career. You've seen what the first 15 years of a career looks like and ta-da, here you are. Um, I mean, I think, you know, something that we touched on briefly was that this is the second recession that we've worked through which is a lot of recession for us at 36 and 37. And the idea right now of job security, you and I talk about this a lot, it feels laughable to think that there's more job security in a big corporation than a small startup. In like a nonprofit versus a freelance position, everything feels equally unstable.
0: Oh, completely. um,
1: In a way that I think wasn't even the case two or three years ago.
0: And like, I hope that that's liberating for some people. And I know that the last recession um, led to a lot of, it led to a lot of entrepreneurship and people starting companies because to your point, it felt like there was nothing to lose because like, it doesn't, it's no no more likely that you're going to be able to keep your job if you're working for yourself versus if you're working for a big company. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it's our age specifically, you know, we basically graduated into a recession. And then now that a lot of us are, You know, have maybe just bought houses, or just had children, or done both. Now we're facing or aspire to do one or both. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Um, Yes, it's it's definitely a a challenging uh, trajectory.
1: There's also certainly for me been a shift in the perception of. The American Dream and the like, the idea, like just saying that aloud makes me want to like laugh at this mm-hmm. point. Like, lols. What, what is that? And did it ever exist at all? Yeah. I don't. I don't think you can earnestly say or believe in that at this point. I don't feel attached to something that's pushing me to just achieve that's in the it. same way. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 And you know, to our earlier point, we're saying all of this from positions of intense privilege from every angle. Oh, and, yeah. And also part of that privilege, I will say, is having achieved some of our goals and, yes, and yes. having gotten recognition for for some of that and really feeling like we ticked some boxes. And it's not that I'm looking back on that and saying it wasn't worth it or it didn't make me as happy as I thought it would. It did. All of it, I feel really grateful for and really proud of. And I think I it's just now being at this new life stage where I'm like, i don't know what I am working towards. I don't know what I ultimately want. You know, other than happiness and equality for everybody and peace in the world. But
1: just those tiny baby yeah. things, and then you'll be fine. Exactly. You know, another question I think is just how much of this is an ebb and flow. How natural is it to feel at certain times very driven toward um, creating or building or achieving, and then having spells where you just don't. Um, and I know that I've personally felt that at various points in my life, and sometimes have felt that I kind of almost need that real rut of feeling like, oh, like I hate all of this. I hate everything. What's the point of anything to find something that actually gets me excited? Um, and I remember, you know, in college, there was a period of time where I just like, I don't know, felt really down on, I mean, pr- probably clinically depressed, honestly, but really down on the things in my life and like what, w- what I was working toward. And it's what got me to pitch a, a newspaper column to the school newspaper um, and like put myself out there in ways that I think if I wasn't so like, oh, I wouldn't have done um, too. I was reading this profile in the New York Times of the Chicks, formerly the Dixie Chicks. And I was weirdly moved when they talk about how for a long time, they just didn't feel like they had songs in them. And then they suddenly did. Um, and was just like, yeah, like, that happens. Like, how does that happen? When does that happen? Um, where did they find that? Like, where right. did that fire come
0: from? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of this relates back to the earlier conversations we had on the podcast about like just taking a break, right? Yes. And like the yes. necessity of doing that. <laughs> You're you bringing up the celebrity profiles reminded me that I was just reading the Viola Davis profile in Vanity Fair, which yeah. is really really good. I haven't um, read it yet, and I recommend reading it. And this is like not even at the top of like the best things about it, but she did. It really resonated with me. Um, so the writer writes, as with many of us, the pandemic has given Davis a taste of slower life. I don't put any limits on myself, she says, but I feel the disillusionment of being busy. My work is not all of me. She pauses then adds with suppressed mirth. I used to say when I was younger, acting is not what I do. It's who I am. I look back at myself like, what the hell are you talking about? And it's like, yeah, I do think part of this is age. And I think part of it is just like the course of life and what we go through. Right. And then also just like when we are young, we are um starry-eyed and and naive to some extent. And like And that's ha- important. And that's really <laughs> important, right? And that's like why we can do some of the things we do and we're like more risk averse and or less risk averse. Sorry, less yeah. risk averse and yeah, and more optimistic. And then with age comes perspective and a certain amount of cynicism and that's and okay. with pandemic
1: and <laughs> uh, racial reckoning comes more of that. Exactly. That's
0: um, all. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's like you said, I, it's not that the ambition's gone. It's just a little lost.
1: Yeah. Or like displaced. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah, know. It's, it's looking for somewhere. a new, it's looking for a new home. It's looking for a forever home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> who knows. Yeah. Who knows. I think we'll find it and I think the nice thing is and you know like you said we're so fortunate that we can still sort of shape our own careers to some extent and there is work that we can do that we're really excited about which is not the same as feeling like you know ambition towards a larger idea but we can still do things like this podcast and the newsletter that may, that are really satisfying for us creatively.
1: Totally. Totally totally. Anything else you want to say? I don't know. Yeah. I want to hear people's thoughts on this. I, I do hope too. They leave us I hope they leave us voicemails or send us emails about it. I'm I hope so too. To I hear. hope
0: it's not too much of a downer.
1: Yeah. No, I think it's just interesting to think about. A loss of ambition, like of, truly of all the losses of 2020 feels like nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Boom. That's You're the right. show. That's the show. This
1: has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com.